0: you are listening to the Avenue Church podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. As Pastor Mark said, um, my name is Gideon. Joining you from from Miami, Florida, where I get to uh, be part of a church called Christ Fellowship Miami. I serve as a pastor as well as The Director of Leadership Development, which basically means that I get to do some pretty cool cool things. And so I'm grateful just for the opportunity to be here to do what I really love to do, and it's just teaching the Word of God. Uh, And so all that to be said, I'm joining you as well with my beautiful family, my wife, Abby and Jeremiah and Jude right there. Look at those cuties, right? (laughs) Uh, Before we jump into our word today, uh, just a quick shout out to Pastor David. It's been amazing to see how the Lord has used you the past 31 years. And I'm glad that you're able to take a break and step away and just kind of rest, recharge, rejuvenate. Uh, and as you come back, man, I, I'm sure that your family would welcome you and, and I'm sure they miss you already, but let thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and so I, I bring greetings from the CF Miami family as well. And uh, let's, let's get into it. You guys are ready? Say amen. amen. And this campus, you ready? Say it like you mean it. say amen. amen. I heard you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, Go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. We're going to be camping out today in verse 22 through 25, all right? This is the word of the Lord. It says, but be doers of the word. Say doers. doers. So I say it like you mean it. Say doers. doers. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Then those next two words, deceiving yourselves. i stop there. I want to share this story by, uh, I want to start off the things by sharing the story. You know, I grew up, by show of hands, how many of you would say that you grew up in the church? I would would raise my hand to that, that I grew up in the church. But I would clarify that by saying, when I said that I grew up in the church, I grew up going to a church building. In other words, my relationship with God was more of a relationship with the church building. It lasted for about two hours on a Sunday, and then it stopped there. That was about it, right? Throughout the week, I didn't give it much thought. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't involved in any extracurricular activities in the church. It's kind of it, just going through the motions, right? In fact, when I think about it, though, I went to church as a kid because mom and dad said so, right? You got to, you got to obey what you're, my dad is a big Samoan man. And so listen, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what he says. He says, you're going to church. So I went to church. In fact, in my, in my culture, Samoans are just kind of expected to do the things of the Lord. And that end of itself is not a bad thing. It's just that for me, I had, I had no real relationship with God, just mere head knowledge. All right. I I understood what God's word said. I kind of knew who he was, but I had zero desire Zero desire to do what his word said at all. I didn't feel compelled to do it. I just didn't want to do it. In fact, if you think about it, I went to church because it was tradition. I grew up in North Carolina and everybody, everybody in North Carolina goes to church. Everybody in my small town went to church and that's kind of what I did. I went to church. Eventually, I would stop going to church altogether because I started to prioritize what was most important to me. God was not. He just wasn't. So I would graduate from high school, eventually go to college, and after undergrad, I moved to Miami, Florida, for work in and education. And, and as I moved to Miami, I told my mom and my dad, hey, I'm going to find a church, I'm going to get connected, get plugged in, that's what I'm going to do, don't worry about me, I'll be A-OK. Two years in, still haven't found a church. Just kind of lying to my mom and my dad and saying, hey, yeah, I'm at a church, it's a great church, Bible preaching church, that's where I'm at. And then my dad, he decides to do this, hey, I'll be there on Sunday, let's go to that church you've been telling me about. He's like, oh, word, we're doing that today? That's how we're living? So I do what every person would do when you get caught in a lie. You lie some more. It's like, all right, all right, no worries, I got you, Dad, we'll go to church. And so I went on Google, I typed in three words, church near me, press entered. <laughs> Christ Fellowship popped up. Right then and there, they received their newest member. I became a part of their church. The guy, dad, this is the church that I've been going to. So I bring my dad in, we walk into church. And they're in the middle of this series called Authentic Faith. And the senior pastor at that time was leading the church through the book of James. Actually, the passage that I just read a minute ago, that was the passage that we read from. And the crux of his message was this, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. You ought not to call yourself a Christian if you don't live like one. Now, mind you, before I stepped foot in that church, I gave a lot of lip service to God. You know, in my circles of friends, I said, Yeah, I love God. I believe God. I'm a good person. I felt like I lived by the golden rule. I treated others the way that I wanted to be treated. I prayed a lot, but in retrospect, when my prayer life is really just praying to God when I wanted something, whenever I was in trouble and I prayed over my food. I did a lot of praying over my food. You could tell. (laughs) But that's the only time I prayed. There was nothing much after that. So I prayed and, but something was different. The moment that I left that church, the moment I left my church, I walked out feeling completely different. There was a deep conviction that I felt. That I felt like I've never felt before. And so this conviction compelled me to keep going back to church. Like, hey, I wanna go back to church. I wanna continue to learn about this authentic faith and work through the book of James. And so I would keep going over and over and over again. And by God's grace, He allowed me to see that what I believed didn't match how I behaved, it just didn't. And so I was convicted. <laughs> what is this? But here's the thing in my conviction I felt that through the season, I started asking myself these questions God, am I a true believer? Like everything that I've done growing up, all the things that I've learned and known about that, did, did I truly love you? Did I truly trust you? Did I truly obey you? But if I'm being real, this is exactly what we see in the church today. It is all the capital C church all around the world. Just like how I thought that I was a true believer, but my life really had no evidence of it, had no fruit of it. I was questioning things. God, do I really love you? Did I trust you? Did I obey you and what your Word says? Maybe that's you. If you're at the Ennis campus, you're watching online, perhaps that's you and your journey where you are right now. Maybe you know somebody in your family, in your circle of friends. Maybe that's somebody here in this building today that you would say, this is kind of like where I'm at. Where am I getting at? This is my, my main thought for today. This is what I desire that you would get walking out the door today, that authentic faith will obey God's word. Authentic faith will obey God's word. How do we know we have this authentic faith? How do we know that we are rightly obeying God's word? My desire is that God will reveal that to you as we dive deeper into his word. Again, if you have your Bible, your Bible apps, go to open to James chapter one. We will be in verse 22 to 25. And I don't know if you're a note-taking church, but if you do, uh, if you do take notes, you, you'll write this down. I have two thoughts. You can write this down as number one on your phone, take a screenshot, whatever it may be. But number one is this. We must know God's word and obey God's word. We must know God's word and obey God's word. Verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's some quick context here. Remember that James is writing to a group of believers, Christians who are fleeing persecution. And as they're fleeing persecution, they find themselves scattered all over the region. And as they are scattered all over the region, they're being oppressed by the ungodly rich. And so what James does, he writes them a letter to encourage them. He says, hey, you're gonna go through suffering. You're gonna have trials in this life. Remember God. And they continue continues through that. He says, hey, don't, don't be, be mindful of these trials that you don't give into your temptation. He says, don't give into your temptation. And then here in verse 22, he says, hey, hey, by the way, I know that you know God's word. I know that you're a hearer of God's word. Be sure that you're a doer of it as well. You know, it's interesting though, why James would, would tell Christians who are in a suffering moment of their life that they should do God's word. Isn't it true for you and I? More often than not, when we are going through a rough patch In our life, we are more susceptible and vulnerable to sinning, are we not? See, here's the thing. My marriage is rough. It's on the rocks. My children are disobedient. My husband, my wife, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my circle of friends, my family, whatever it may be, I'm going through a difficult time. I deserve this. We kind of tell ourselves that it's okay to sin. God's grace is good. But what James is telling these Christians who are going through this suffering time is, hey, you know God's word. Do what it says. Be a doer of his word. But why does James lean into that? Well, let's go back to verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Say that word, deceiving. deceiving. Oh, say it like you mean it, deceiving. deceiving. Deceiving yourselves. Here's what he says. Because if you are only a hearer of God's word and you're not a doer of God's word, he says that you are deceiving yourselves you know what he's saying it's not enough to be content with just knowing god's word you have to apply god's word to your life it's exactly what i was doing when i grew up thinking that i was a true believer he like said i had a lot of head knowledge about god's word but i didn't apply it to my life i deceived myself to thinking that i was a true believer you see i i i said i, I professed to be a follower of jesus yet i habitually followed my sin i give a lot more lip service to god more than i submitted more than i submitted to god Think about it this way, take for example, our freedom. I think everybody in this room, those online, those watching at Ennis, you would say that you're a law-abiding citizen, right? We obey the law because we value our freedom. There's a consequence and there's an incentive. The consequence, if you don't obey the law, you lose your freedom, right? You get to do jail time or you get your rights revoked. The incentive, if you obey the law, is that you get to keep your freedom, right? Get what I'm saying? So we understand the law, we believe the law so much so that we will obey the law. It changes the way that we live, right? You obey the speed limit. Well, some of you here, I've seen how y'all drive in Texas. Oh my gosh. I think the road I was driving on in 360, zoom, I was like, I'm, I'm new here. I have GPS, I need to learn where I'm going. But some of you obey the law. The consequence, if you don't obey the law, is that you have a hefty ticket to pay, right? The incentive, you don't get no marks or demerits on your, your driver's license. You get to drive freely, As children, we're taught not to lie. We're taught not to steal. The consequence, you get a butt whipping. The incentive, you don't get a butt whipping. Hear what I'm saying. We not only hear the law, we obey the law. You can go on and say this. We are believers of it so much so that we obey it, it changes the way that we live. Why? Because we value our freedom. Here's a question for us, though. Do you feel the same way about your spiritual freedom? If you're here today and you'd say that I am, I'm, a, I'm a hearer of God's word, but are you a doer of it as well? Here, James is saying that it's not enough to be content with just knowing what God's word says. Your entire life has to be characterized by doing it. Your entire life has to be marked by doing God's word. James is telling us to put into action what we read, what we hear. He says that if we don't, we are deceiving ourselves. Now, that word deceive, it's a compound Greek word, paralagizomai. You may or may not know this, but the New Testament part of your Bible is written in Koine Greek. And so the word that he uses here in the context of 22, it means paralagizomai. Para means to be near. Lagizomai is words where you get like compute and calculate. And so what James is doing here, he's using a mathematical term that means miscalculation. And so in verse 22, when he says, don't just be hearers, be doers, deceiving yourselves, here's what he's saying, essentially. He is saying... That if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't live like one, you have made a serious spiritual miscalculation. Something's not adding up. Something is off here. My man, what you say, what you say you believe and what you do, it's it's not equal in what I see of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He either, we know God's word and we do God's word, or we are deceiving ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves to... To believe that we are are true believers, that we have this authentic faith. Now, here's a theme that you see all throughout the book of James. James often references what Jesus says. And so, as what Jesus says as it pertains to being a hearer and a doer of God's word, listen to what he says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Did we not serve kids in your name? Did we serve students in your name, the adult ministry in your name? Did we not greet and usher and park cars in your name? Did we not serve the city of Ennis and Waxahachie in your name? Did we not serve Ellis County in your name? Jesus says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then, get this, verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Don't miss it. Jesus said it himself. If you hear these words of mine and you do these words of mine, you will be like a wise man who built your house on a rock. Can't put it any clearer than that. What James is saying here is that true believers will not only hear the word of God, but they will do the word of God. That's only verse 22. We got three more to go. So James says, this is in verse 22. What James does, he gives us an illustration about what he means in verse 23 and 24. Let's read it. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. Here's what James is saying. He says, if you are a hearer of God's word and not a doer of it, you have the same sense and stability of a person who looks at the mirror, looks at themselves in the mirror, and the moment they walk away, they instantly forget what they looked at. (laughs) It's crazy. Basically, what he's saying is the word of God that you are hearing has done no good in your life. Done nothing in your life think about it this way here there's a mirror here there are two functions of a mirror you can look at the mirror you can turn the mirror away All right for this first function is you can take this mirror you can turn it away from you to reflect something else to reflect someone else my brother and i we lived uh, again i grew up in north carolina we lived in this neighborhood in jacksonville called a uh, foxhorn village and we lived at the end of steeplechase court what we would do is grab my sister's big pink mirror And we would gather all our friends, and this is the chill spot. I don't know why millennials did this, but we did this. There was an electrical box. That's where we played. The electrical box was sitting right there at the end of the street. There were some bushes, and that's where we, we chilled all day. So here's what we would do. We would take a mirror. We would get on this electrical box. We would hide behind these bushes. We would take the mirror. We would turn it away from us, and we would angle it at the sun, and we would just wait. Now, this is a residential neighborhood, right? So cars aren't zooming by. They're like driving five miles an hour. When a car would drive by, we would shine the light in their eyes, just like that. We were, we were mischievous. You can definitely say that we were not doers of God's word back then, <laughs> at all. But we would do it. We would shine the light, and this guy came to a screeching halt, got out of the car. He's like, I know your mother, Gideon. He's like, all right, well, tell her then. He's like, I'm going to tell her. He drove in the road, told my mom we got in trouble. And he says, whatever they shined in my light, it was so bright. It was so strong, I couldn't see anything. Don't miss the point here. You see, the mirror, this is not the source of light. This simply reflects the light. In order for us to reflect the light, what we have to do is turn the mirror away from ourselves, angle it at the sun, and then shine it somewhere. You hear what James is saying here? What James is saying is that you and I, in verse 23 and 24, you and I are like living mirrors. What does that mean? In Genesis, it tells us that we are created in the image of God. That you and I, we are image bearers, right? And so here's what he's saying, here's what he's showing us. If you live in Christ, inevitably your life will reflect Christ. Amen. Here's a question: What is your life reflecting? You see, if you are a hearer of God's word, are you putting it into play? Are you putting it into action? Are you a doer of God's word? Another important function of a mirror is not only can you turn it away from yourself, but you can turn it and you collect yourself. I'm sweating. <laughs> you can look at yourself in the mirror. And what James is saying is that a healthy Christian will look at God's word like a mirror. And they will look at God's word like a mirror and they will look into it intently to evaluate where they are in their walk. And they'll do something about it. They won't just store up facts. They're not just gonna store up these facts. They're not just gonna hear God's word. They're gonna look in God's word and they're gonna do it. perhaps you're here and you're thinking, Pastor, I agree with that. But where do I start? Remember our first point is that we must know God's word and obey God's word. Here's a question for us to think through. Can you truly obey something that you don't know? How do we come to know God? How do we come to know his desires and his heart for you and I? By spending time in his word, by reading his word, by studying his word, by meditating on his word, by prioritizing his word. In doing so, your faith will grow. In doing so, your understanding and your knowledge of God's will for your life will grow. And the Holy Spirit or bring forth this conviction to a place where you're not just being a hearer of God's word, but you're being a doer of it as well. How does this look like practically in our lives? You know, when you're hearing God's word and you have God's grace to be able to do it. Take, for instance, if you struggle with anger. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says this: Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. If you hear and you struggle with jealousy, Proverbs fourteen thirty says this: A heart at peace brings life to the body, but envy, envy rots the bones. I'd imagine that some of you know what that is, right? To have this envy that sits in your body just rotting you. If you struggle with greed, if you've got to have all the money in the world, First Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. If you're here and you struggle with lust, sexual sin, pornography, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God, Your sanctification, that word sanctification simply means the process of becoming more like Jesus. So read it that way, right? For this is the will of God, that you become more like Jesus, that you abstain from sexual immorality. You see, the idea of hearing God's word gives you an opportunity to do God's word. Perhaps one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, Psalm 119, is what it says. It says, thy word I have hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You see, if you are a hearer of God's word, you'll have the desire to do God's word. It comes by knowing who God is, the fact that he has created you and has more for your life. And it's through studying the word together that the Holy Spirit will bring forth this conviction. And here's the thing, when you are faced with the temptation, you will feel conflicted with what God's word says and what your heart desires. Again, it's like why James wrote these Christians who are fleeing this persecution, because he knows that whenever they're facing a trial, temptations will come. And oftentimes we wanna take the easy way out. But James is reminding us, hey, In your temptation, you have an opportunity to show God's grace on your life, to do what God's word says. Here's here's what it also says in 1 Corinthians, that in our temptation, the Lord will always give us a way out, always. Here's what that means. That means anything that you're struggling with, God will always provide a way out for you, always. That's what God's word says. And almost this is what it looks like. That word that you have been meditating on, the word that you have been hearing and reading, suddenly it pops up in your mind, and they're reminded of who you belong to and the fact that you should be obedient to the word of God. You know, I've, I've, be, I've seen many people begin with God who are, who are no longer with God, especially in a city like Miami. This is a crazy city out there. But I've seen a lot of people come through the, the doors of the church, join a small group or a life group. They begin with God and they're on fire and then somewhere along the line, they kind of fall away from it. It's kind of like my story. I grew up in the church, fell away from it. But perhaps what James is saying is what's happening. The fact that they were probably hearers of God's word and not doers of it, maybe they, they deceived themselves to, to truly believe that they were authentic follower of Jesus. Here's what I've experienced though, that oftentimes we are deceived to believe that we are true believers because we force ourselves to follow Jesus, right? It's what we call behavior modification. It's the difference between behavior modification and true heart transformation. Behavior modification is exactly what it sounds like. You try to force yourself to follow Jesus. But here's the reason why that never works. It's temporary. You try to force yourself to follow Jesus. But the reason why it's temporary is because your heart will always lead you to these sinful desires. You ever had somebody tell you, hey, follow your heart. Somebody told me, hey, Pastor G, follow your heart. You have no idea what you're saying. You know what scripture says? Your heart is wicked and evil. It will deceive you time and time and time again. And so when you're trying to force yourself to follow Jesus, what behavior modification does is it makes you try to behave a certain way, yet your heart isn't changed. Your heart is not in it, and so it leads you further away from the Lord. But then on the other hand, there's heart transformation. You see, when your heart is being transformed by the gospel, when your heart is being transformed by God's word, and the process, your behaviors will change. Right? That's how it works. Like, my heart is in it. I desire to please God. I desire to honor God more than my family, more than my children, more than my career, this is what I desire to do. And because you desire that, your behaviors will change, right? Behavior modification or, or heart transformation. You know, one of the indicators, one of the indicators that our heart is being transformed, one of the indicators that we are authentic believers, if you're taking notes, you can write this down as number two, we know we have authentic faith when we continue to obey God's word. Say continue. Say it like you mean it, say Continue. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, say perseveres. Persever. And it say like you mean it, say perseveres. Persever. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be like blessed in his doing. The key word here in verse 25 is the word perseveres. It comes from this ancient Greek word, patameno And it basically means to examine the state of something. And as it pertains to the context here, James is saying for a true believer, you will examine the state of your soul. So here's the metaphor. The metaphor is this. It's someone who takes a mirror and they spend so much time in the mirror. You ladies know what I'm talking about. I'm from Miami, so the guys know what I'm talking about too. I'm trying to tell you. Bro, we got to go. So he's taking the metaphor of somebody who looks intently at the mirror. And there's a reason why you're looking at the mirror. You look in the mirror, if there's something off, you fix it. You do something about it, right? You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, you look at how one eye is bigger than the other. some reason it happens when you're asleep. But you wake up and you look in the mirror. He's saying you look in the mirror to to do something about it. When you're walking down the wall, you see reflection in the window. You look at your reflection, you check yourself out, and you do something about it if something is off. What James is saying here is that those who have this true faith, who are authentic believers, they will have this kind of behavior where they look into God's word, and they'll continue to examine their walk with the Lord. Why? Because genuine faith calls for obedience that endures. Genuine faith calls for obedience that endures. Here, look at what Jesus says. Jesus says himself in Luke, Luke eleven. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Other translations say and practice it and do it. Keeping God's word is not just this one and done deal. It's not. It goes beyond a Sunday. Like the fact that you are all here in this building, that you're watching online or at the Ennis campus, that is a beautiful thing. Praise God. It's a miracle that people would wake up on a Sunday all around the world to go worship Jesus. But you have to understand this, that keeping God's word goes beyond a Sunday. What about Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Imagine if you treat your relationship that way. Like if I told Abby, he's like, babe, today is Sunday, 1045 It's date night. Date time, date day, right? And I spend an hour and a half with her. He's like, okay, I'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> Let's be real. How do you think my marriage will be? Not the greatest. But this is how we treat our relationship with God. This is how some of us treat our relationship. This is how I treated my relationship with God. Got to just check it off the list. I'm good. Good to go. Thank you. I see a partner. Here's a little tip for you. I'll be here next Sunday. You know, to be a doer of God's word, when Jesus says, blessed are those who keep the word of God, he says, you will be blessed in doing that. But to be a doer of it, that means your entire life is marked. It's characterized by God's word. Here's what it he reads in John 14. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will do my commandments. First John five two three 3 says this, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we obey his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. John 14, 23 says this. This is Jesus speaking himself. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He will do my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. Whoever doesn't love me doesn't do my word. Whoever doesn't love me hears my word, but doesn't put it into action. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In other words, James is saying this. If you are just a hearer of God's word and not a doer of it, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. That means that you hear something in the word of God and you do what you want to do. Listen, you can do that. You can do whatever you want to do. There will come a day where you stand before the one who created you. And you will give an account for everything that you've done. When we submit to God... In all areas of our lives, then and only then are you truly living in Christ, that God's gospel and his word will transform your heart to the place that you are more than just a hear, but you're a doer. I'm so passionate about this because this is my story. I thank God for Jesus. One of the best ways, one of the greatest ways to grow in your walk with the Lord is through a life group. You know when. It's in a small group, or what we call small groups. It's in a a group of biblical community that you're able not just to study God's word together, but to do life with each other, to find much-needed accountability. You know the story that I shared earlier when I walked through the church off of a lie, I kept going back that Sunday. Sunday after Sunday, I kept going back about, and I just want to learn about authentic faith. And the next step that they kept pushing on me, hey, join a small group. It's like, no, don't say it next Sunday. I'm not going to join it. I don't want to. Join a small group. Join a small group. And here's the reason why I said no. When I had to do a gut check time, I was like, why am I saying no? I'm saying no because I knew that it would take more of my time. That's the only reason why I said no. But can I be honest with you? We all make time for what matters most to us. You make time for your children's sports. You make time for your family. You make time for your hobbies. All of those are good things. I'm not saying that I'm not knocking them at all. But if you truly desire to follow Jesus, you will make time for Jesus. You will make room for Jesus to a place where you can move from being just a hearer of God's word to being a doer of it as well. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, to move you, to turn your heart for more affection for him. Again, it was, it was what happened to me. I joined a small group called Young Adults and to this day I have an opportunity to preach to our young adults. But the idea is this. Is I had to submit and surrender all of my area, every area of my life to the Lord. Because of what I knew is I was deceiving myself, that I understood what God's word said, but I didn't apply it to my life. It was through a small group that I found accountability. It was through a small group that I spent not just two hours on a Sunday, but I continued to live in Christ. I continued to abide in Christ. Here's what John, John 8 says, and I'm almost done here it says, If you abide in my word, if you live in my word, if you live in Jesus, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, free from what? I hope you don't miss this avenue. You know the reason why all of this matters? Because your obedience to the word of God brings freedom from sin and death. There is only one problem that matters most. It is that you are saved from your sin, that you would have eternal life with Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. The word of God isn't just this beautiful piece of literature to be enjoyed and to be savored. It goes beyond provoking thought. It goes beyond inviting meditation. It goes beyond memorization and sharing it. It demands a change of heart that prompts a change of behavior. The word of God is to be obeyed. Where are you at? Some of you might be here and, Pastor, I'm hearing everything you're saying. I feel like I am a hearer of God's word, but I'm also a doer of it as well. Man, praise God for that. Praise God for his grace in your life. You might be here and says, yeah, my journey and my walk with the Lord goes beyond Sunday. Let me challenge you and encourage you. What is the next step? Some of you have been here at the Avenue for quite some time. And you know that you have been gifted and blessed with the leadership gift or whatever it may be. Get off the, get off the sidelines and get into the game. And serve people so that they may come to know Jesus as well. Some of you have been in a life group for quite some time. And you know that you have the gift of leadership and teaching. Perhaps you need to branch out of your life group, start your own life group to invite more people around your circle. Maybe you've been here and you've been trusting God in the area of your finances. Some of you have been blessed with tremendous resources. Perhaps you need to give more so that you can serve more of the city so that more people can come to follow Jesus. Whatever your next step is, be a doer. Don't just hear what the word of God says, do it. Continue to trust God with every single area of your life. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.